Well, this morning I'm going to turn you to a familiar passage of the Bible. It's the Christmas story, and if you brought a Bible with you, uh, electrical or mechanical, would you turn to Luke's Gospel and chapter 1, and I'll read a few verses from that chapter, and then I'll do a few more verses from chapter 2. I've called this message this morning, Being Mary, all right? In the sixth month, oh, sorry, uh, chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, be it to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. And now just the first seven verses of chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Amen. In children's nativity plays, there is a sort of hierarchy, contention, who gets to play Mary? She did it last year. 
She always does it. There is a sort of friendly, and not so friendly, rivalry of who gets to play Mary. I want to tell you this morning, every one of you gets to play Mary. Even the fellas. You get to play Mary. Because what God asked Mary, he's asking each one of us. And I hope I'll be able to explain that. To receive Christ and to reveal Christ. To receive and to reveal Christ. Um, I want to take you back, first of all, over the centuries to the Garden of Eden, where God placed man in this paradise. Everything was absolutely beautiful. And the couple themselves were, first of all, they were secure. They had no fear of going out at night. They had no fear of danger, no fear of sickness, no fear of death, no fear in any way. They were perfectly secure. Secondly, they were significant. They felt that they were worth something. They had a purpose. God had given them things to do which they felt were worthwhile and worth doing. To tend the the garden, to name the animals, to sort of superintend the earth and look after it. They felt they were significant. And also, they felt that they were accepted. Rejection was not a part of their psyche in any way. God came in the cool part of the day and talked to them. And they felt accepted by God. They they weren't cringing in the corner, wondering who likes me and who doesn't like me. So it was an idyllic situation. And God said to them, you can go anywhere, do anything, eat anything you like, Just one tree you mustn't touch. Now, whether it was a physical tree or a a, a spiritual um, tree uh, is open to debate. But he he, he said to them, you're not to touch the tree uh, of the knowledge of good and evil in the center of the garden. But that was the very one that the devil tempted Eve. And uh, she said, we've not to eat of it. And he said to her, has God, has God said? Isn't that the way the devil comes? Has God really said? Has God said, you shall not eat it? No, she said, we've not to eat it because he said to us, in the day we eat, we'll die. It doesn't mean that particular 24-hour day, but the word is, dying thou shalt die. The process of death will begin if you transgress my word. The devil said, you will not surely die die? For goodness sake, God knows. If you take of that, you'll be like God. You'll be as wise as he is. Then she saw that the tree looked good for food and stuff, so she took it and she ate it and she gave it to her husband, Adam, who was with her. And they both knew that they were naked. Before that, they were naked and were not ashamed of that. But then they felt guilty 
And they went and hid themselves. And when God came at the familiar time of the day and called for Adam, Adam, where are you? It seemed his voice bounced back from a thousand bushes and trees and Adam was nowhere to be found. Eventually, he made his way out of the shadows. He said, I hid myself because I was naked. And God said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree? And then it all came out. He said, he said, the woman you gave me, (laughs) it was her fault. He turned to the woman, he said, you take of the tree. She turned to the serpent and she said, he deceived me, it was his fault. He turned to the serpent and the serpent looked round and there was nobody else (laughs) to blame. So God said to Adam, he said, cursed is the ground for your sake. From now on, you'll you'll till the land with hard labor. To to the woman, he said, in sorrow, you'll bear children. The curse. But right there, at at the place of a curse, God promised a savior. He said, the seed of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent. One day, somebody will come who will reverse all this. One day, someone will come to change things and bring it back. The the Bible teaches us that the earth was created beautiful, but it all went bad. Mankind was created wonderful, but it all went pear-shaped. And all down the centuries... They were looking for this person who would rectify things. Moses said, didn't he? He said, a prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you like me. Him shall the people hear. As time goes by, pieces of the jigsaw are are, are being put together. He'll be the son of David. He'll be born in Bethlehem. His ministry will be in Galilee. All this kind of thing comes along. And then we come to this Christmas story. And we find this young woman, Mary, a godly young lady. We don't know how old she was. She may have been quite young. She certainly was a teenager. Um, And uh, he found this young woman and he sent the angel Gabriel to her And with this message, that Mary, you are highly favoured. She's, of course, she's afraid. Um, And uh, she's wondering about all this. He said, you are highly favoured. And God has chosen you. You're going to conceive in your womb a a child without um, human uh, um, assistance, (laughs) and, and, and this child is going to rule the nations. This child is, go, that is going to be born in you will be called the Son of God. So she was asked to receive Christ. <clears throat> now, um, Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jewish nation and he came to Jesus at the night time and he asked for an interview with Jesus. 
And uh, he said, we know, Jesus, you are a teacher that's come from God. Nobody could do these miracles that you were doing except God were with him. And Jesus said to him, you need to be born again, Nicodemus. He said, how can a person be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, you need to be born of water and of the Spirit to enter the kingdom. Now, what did he mean? Do you need to be born of water and of the Spirit? Well, water often it speaks of the Word of God. The Apostle Paul talks about the washing of water by the Word of God. So, the water is the Word and... The Spirit applies the Word. So, the Word of God says that all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. And then the Spirit comes and the Spirit applies that Word that I have sinned, I have missed the way, I have gone wrong. The Spirit applies the Word to the human heart. The word says Christ died for the whole world. The spirit applying that word says he died for me. He died for you. He applies it personally. Christ died for you. I remember many years ago we had uh, a a guy came to this church and he... um, He was walking home from town, and he was drunk, and he he was reflecting on his life, and he said, he said, there must be more to life than this. And then he looked up at this church, and we had a poster for Alpha. There must be more to life than this. (laughs) So he came along to the Alpha course, and he got saved. (laughs) And uh, he was a good golfer as well. <laughs> his, name, his name was Mark Potage. My wife called him Mark Pottage, but <clears throat> she, she said, no, it's Potage. He thought it was like Mrs. Bouquet. <clears throat> and, uh, but what Mark did at the World Cup, I think it was about 12 years ago, I'm not sure, But they went to the World Cup with a great big banner, and I saw it on TV. It was behind the goals, and it said this, Jesus took the penalty. (laughs) Harry Kane should have listened to that. (laughs) Jesus took the penalty. Jesus paid the price. Jesus died for me. The word says, whoever believes shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God loved the world, for God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's what the word says. And then the Holy Spirit applies it. That if you believe, you won't perish. You will have eternal life. Hallelujah. So when the Spirit the Word and the Spirit fuse together, there's a spiritual birth that happens. It's not just church attendance. It's a spiritual birth that happens. It says in John's Gospel, as many as received him. 
He came to his, he was in the world, but the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But to as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the children of God, that were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. Children born of God. Hallelujah. You, you need to be born into and when the angel came to Mary he said you're going to conceive Christ is going to come inside of you well this is the essence of the Christian life it's that spiritual transaction Paul writing to the Corinthians he said do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you when he wrote to the Colossians he said God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know <clears throat> that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles, of which most of us here are, too. Uh, and this is the secret, he said. Christ lives in you. This gives you the assurance of sharing his glory. The old Bible says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. We used to sing an old hymn, Christ liveth in me. Oh, what a salvation this, that Christ liveth in me. We don't sing that anymore, Andy. <laughs> <coughs> Christ received, yes, but Christ not only received, but Christ revealed in your life and in the life of the gathered congregation. <clears throat> the world needs to see Jesus, the real Jesus, in all his glory and all his beauty. And I think sometimes we just get in the way a little bit to let the world see the real Jesus. The Apostle Paul, when he was writing to the Galatians, he said to them, he said, I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ, but they had heard only that he, which persecuted us in times past, now preached the faith, which once he destroyed, and they glorified God in me. He was saying, they've seen a change in me. They've seen Christ in me. <clears throat> God is wanting to see the character of Jesus revealed in your life and mine. <clears throat> now, the Galatian churches, they started off very well in the Christian life, but then they took a, a few steps backward. And Paul, the apostle, he had to say to you, my dear children of whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. He said, you started off great. You were developing the characteristics of the Lord, but you seem to have gone back and I'm, I'm like having birth pains all over again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Does it bear thinking about, does it? <laughs> I, I attended uh, one of our births, I think, 
our son Phil, he was 10 pounds something. I wouldn't like to go through that again. <coughs> Till Christ, he said, I'm, I'm travailing again. I'm, it's, like I'm, it's like I'm giving birth all over again. Till Christ is formed in you. What does it look like to have Christ formed in us? Let's just first of all look individually. Um, well, in Galatians 5, it says here, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. To love like Jesus loved. There was an old song. I haven't heard it for donkey's years, but it came to my mind as I was looking at this subject. It goes like this, Lord crucified, give me a heart like thine. Teach me to love the dying souls of men. And keep my heart in closest touch with thee. And give me love, pure Calvary love, to bring the lost to thee. Jesus himself said, greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And in that beautiful passage that we often quote at weddings, the 13th chapter of um, Corinthians, I'm going to read it slightly different than it's written here in the Bible, and I'm going to substitute the word Jesus for the word love. <clears throat> it's talking of the characteristics of love. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. He does not envy. He does not boast. He is not proud. He is not rude. He is not self-seeking. He is not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. Jesus does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. He always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Jesus never fails. The world is needing to see the love of Jesus Christ in your life and in mine. <clears throat> joy. Jesus was joyful. He was great company to be with. He says on a number of occasions he rejoiced in the Spirit. <clears throat> He, would, he had joy and peace. He said to the disciples, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, give I you. Let not your heart be troubled and don't let it be afraid. I must admit through our trials with our daughter, I lost my peace at times. I said, Lord, I need your peace. <clears throat> Which proves that the pastor's are not perfect. But the peace of God passes all understanding. Jesus was never in a flap. He was never worried. There was a storm one day on the, on the Sea of Galilee. The disciples were just frantic, trying to bail the water out and all. And Jesus is asleep on a pillow at the back of the boat. <laughs> Hadn't got a care in the world. And they're desperate, so they wake him up. 
They said, don't you care that we're all going to perish, Lord? And he stood up and he rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. The calmness that was in him became the calmness in their circumstances. Love is patient. <clears throat> we sometimes say, don't we, give me patience and give it me now. <laughs> Love is patient. Love is kind. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How shall this be, said Mary? And the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. And you might be thinking, how can I show the love of Christ? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. How can I be joyful in all circumstances? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. How can I find peace and goodness? And how can I stop losing my temper and, and, and have more consideration? The, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Peter said, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. Then he went on to say, for if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So individually, what about collectively? What about the church as, as, as a unit, collectively? The Bible portrays the church as a body. In Corinthians it says, For as the body is one and as many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free. We've all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. Then he goes on to say, but now indeed there are many members but one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Every body is important, <laughs> hallelujah, in the body of Christ. <clears throat> now, I am not a good DIY person. I, I, I've, I've never been good at that. My, my brother, who was, very, who was a very good joiner, was, um, I, I made, uh, at school, we made a jewellery box with what they call dovetail joints. Mine was the only, it was a, mine was the only ventilated <laughs> jewellery box that he had. <laughs> and my brother used to keep it in his shop in Lancashire as a rebuke <laughs> to me. <clears throat> and DIY, I, I, was one, I once did some DIY. I said to the wife, no, we're not going to buy um, wardrobes. I'm going to make them. I started and I finished five years later. <laughs> but still the hinges didn't work proper. So if you are... 
If you are putting a nail in something and you hit the wrong nail, you hit this nail instead of the, the steel nail, what does the body do? The body doesn't say, you stupid right hand, why did you hit it? And the right hand might say, don't blame me, it was the eye. Squint in the wrong way. The eye might say, it was the brain told me what wrong to They weren't in a, in, in, in a kind of self-destruct mode, a blaming mode, because the body likes to look after itself. So what happens when you hit the wrong nail? The hand says, give it a shake. So you give it a shake. And then the mouth says, stick it in here. <laughs> How does that feel? That feels very nice. <laughs> and Han says, give it another shake. The whole body, it's only a fingernail, it's only a thumbnail. It's only a thumbnail. But when it's hurt, all the body hurts with it. That's the love of Christ in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. The world needs to see, brothers and sisters, Jesus revealed. Mary, this lovely young lady, and the angel comes and he said, you are highly favoured. You are going to receive the seed, which is Christ. And what did she give to the world? She gave to the world Jesus. And brothers and sisters, I want to ask us as a church, what are we giving to this city? What are we giving to this old world? We need to give them Jesus. And I praise God for the people in this fellowship that show the love of God in, in giving of, of, of food and things like this. And, and that. It's all an expression of the love of God. The world needs to see Jesus. If you, this morning, as I come to an end, um, this morning, if you have never received Christ, the offer comes to you. What are you going to do? Mary said, be it unto me. In other words, I'm in. Yes, yes. I want to receive this. It's going to cost me something. I'm going to be misunderstood. They're going to think I've been sleeping around before I was married. It, 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 it's, jo Joseph might reject me. It, it, there, was a, there was a cost to the fact, but she said, Lord, if it's you, I just want in. I just want to receive Christ. And maybe as you're watching, maybe on TV this morning or in the, in the building, you say, Lord, I want to receive Christ, that the Word of God has been applied to my heart by the Spirit of God. And I want to be born of the Spirit. I want to be born again. Well, I'm going to lead you in a prayer in a, in a minute that might help you to get born again, to get, to get the Word and the Spirit fused in your life, that you receive Christ. And for those who have received Christ, are we revealing Christ? Or are we... <clears throat> revealing some of the old nature. We have a fight, don't we, on the inside, the old nature and the new nature. And I was going to share with you a bit about Colossians where he, he talks about putting off 
and putting on, putting off jealousy and envy and hatred and putting on love and kindness. Like a, like a, a, a suit of clothes, put the old off and put the new on. Let's be a reflection of Jesus Christ. Let's be a revealer of Jesus Christ at this Christmas time. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Hallelujah. I would deem it to be a great privilege to, to lead someone this morning into an experience with God where you're brought into the family of God that Christ will live within your life. And if that's you in church or watching online <clears throat> now or later on, maybe you'd like to pray something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you now. I realize that I have sinned. I've missed the way, done things I should never have done, omitted to do things that I should have done. I'm sorry, Lord. Would you cleanse me? Would you forgive me? I thank you that Christ died for all my sins upon the cross. And I believe now that if I put my trust in him, he will save me. I put my trust in you right now, Lord. Thank you. Amen.